Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. So welcome. Hey guys, well, if you are new to the Let's Get Real podcast, I want to encourage you to go back to episode number one, maybe even episode number two, where we share where the Davises have been over the past couple of years and really our journey of launching this podcast. And today, episode 14, man, I have been looking forward to this episode for a long time. It is with our dear friend, Lindsay Nobles, and we've decided to do a part one and a part two with um, her interview. And so today, Today, you are going to be listening to an incredible journey, Um, and this is going to be part one, and we will let you know when we are revealing part two, which I think is going to be our bonus episode, but you are in for such a treat. Hey, but before we dive into this episode with Lindsay Nobles, we want to tell you about a special night that's coming up on Thursday, April the 6th. That is the first Thursday of April. And those of you that have been around for a while, you know that the first Thursday of every month is what we call Marriage Masterclass Thursday. And so 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, April 6th, we're going to be hosting a brand new free masterclass, and it's called Beyond Roommates. And we're going to be talking about how to reconnect in marriage. And so if you feel like you're in a season of marriage where you've kind of lost your way, you feel disconnected from your spouse, maybe you feel more like roommates than you do lovers these days, that is totally normal. And it happens to a lot of couples. And we want to help you. And we're going to have a very special guest join us. Uh, right after she launches her second book, her name is Jackie Brewster, and Jackie's going to be joining us for this masterclass. And Jackie is an Enneagram coach and consultant, and she is going to blow your mind during this masterclass. And it's absolutely free. So go to refineus.org slash masterclass, and you can register for free. And then you'll get some information from us as we get closer to that April 6th date. We can't wait to have you join us for that free masterclass on Thursday, April the 6th. Well, without further ado, welcome to episode 14 with our friend, Lindsay Nobles. Lindsay, thanks so much for being with us today. Woohoo! We have been looking forward to this. I mean, I think the day we decided we were going to launch this podcast, Lindsay was the first on the list. Absolutely. Uh, for those of you that don't know Lindsay, I'll let her introduce herself, but she, we have been friends for 10 years. Do you remember how we became friends, Lindsay? Um, I think I just bossed Trisha around for the first couple of times I met her. And she was like, oh, I like this. <laughs> it, it, No, it was a very specific moment when uh, we met at Crosspoint. I thought I thought, through I, Jenny I, thought Katrin. I, I thought I DM'd you on Twitter. You may have. She and I met through Jenny Katrin's uh, Cultivate Her. And then we went yep. to Panera and yep. I shared some things. And Lindsay was like, Let's talk about this. And so we got into this really great discussion. It was like the first person, like, I think ever in my life to speak such bold truth in such a beautiful way. And I was kind of like scared and excited all at the same time. <laughs> but Lindsay, you are not just a powerhouse leader, but you are just have been such a good friend to us. We had a tradition every well, uh, every Sunday that we were in town, pretty much of uh, Mexican after church on Sundays. Yep. It was a standing date. And you just have seen us through a ton of seasons. You and Trish have traveled all over the country together, moving you from coast to coast. She's my, my road trip, buddy. That's right. <laughs> so um, Beyond Ordinary, our book would not exist without you. At the time we met, Aww. you were employed by Thomas Nelson. And you were like, you guys have got to do more with this than what you're doing. And you connected us to the right people. So 
I know we've said thank you over and over again, but I just want to publicly acknowledge that again. Yeah. If you are listening and have been affected by Refinus Ministries in every, any way, shape or form, Lindsay Nobles is definitely uh, the reason her and God that we are where we are today. So we love you and thank you. And that goes into (laughs) a lot of credit. uh, Well do, Um, you know, you are unique in this person where everywhere you go, you have this kind of second chair position on paper that you end up coming around people who have more of the center stage um, first chair of really making everybody in any organization you've been with better. You've been with Thomas Nelson, where you have worked with uh, Michael Hyatt and coming around him and in, in what he did um, for that industry. You've been a part of starting uh, If Gathering and that whole movement with Jenny Allen. Um, and now you're on OnSite. And um, tell us a little bit about like where you are in, in just what you're doing today. Yeah, so OnSite is an emotional health retreat center that's located about an hour outside of Nashville. And we um, really just work with people that are desiring to sort of understand maybe their past a little bit better so that they can have a better present and future. Um, And so we have week-long workshops. We have some digital courses that we've launched this year. And then we have a longer-term residential program where people come and stay 30 to 90 days and work on um, like post-trauma issues. Was that a big jump for you like to go from really like publishing and like Christian conference type ministry to really more, it was more public, the public aspect of Christian ministry. Now this is all interior heart stuff. Is that a, was that a big leap for you personally? It was like such a gift. I ended up at OnSite because I actually did the Living Centered program when I was transitioning out of the IF gathering. Um, I just was in a season of total burnout and um, felt so depleted. And um, it was crazy because I was in this season where, like Trish said, I was came alongside a visionary leader and helped build something, which is really my gifting but that I'd ended up sort of so fragile and broken feeling on the other side of it. I was really in a place where I was reluctant to like figure out how to invest my gifts into another thing. And so I felt so stuck that I think one day I had had like two coffees and both people said, have you thought about going on site? Mm. And people had asked me that question before. I know a lot about OnSite because I'd met Miles and had a lot of friends do the Living Centered program. And I always was so curious about it, but I thought it sounded terrifying. Um, <laughs> just, just like 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 intrusive? Awful. Like intrusive? Yeah. No, it just sounded like somebody <laughs> that would be so brave would go and do it. And I just didn't know that I had that sort of courage hmm. at the time. Um, and so... I, I, when both the people said it, I just, it sort of held on to it. And then that night, um, I went to Moss Tacos. I was visiting Nashville at the time and I went to Moss Tacos to grab dinner and I ran into Miles and his wife, Vanessa. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'll get on. <laughs> I get it That's loud and clear. Awesome. What was your, I mean, obviously, you know, what happens at onsite stays on onsite, but what was your biggest takeaways during that time for you personally? Um, I think just 
it was the first time I'm not really a verbal processor. So I am pretty filtered with like what I share with people. Um, and so I think it allowed me because it's very experiential the way that the work happens at onsite. It's different from sort of talk therapy that it sort of forces you out of your head mm. and into action. And so it just unlocked a ton of stuff for me about things in my childhood that I never had really looked at. Um, I had I have great parents. I love them. Y'all know them. They're amazing. I and love Lindsay's parents. I want to be adopted by them. I know. They love y'all too. Um, but I had such a happy childhood that I never had really spent time looking at what messages I might have picked up along the way that I was still kind of living out. Um, and so that was really important. And then I also did a lot of work around forgiveness. And I had realized I had a really hard time sort of reconciling forgiveness and justice. Um, mm. Before we got on this, we kind of talked about, you know, some, some past woundedness that we all share. And it just is so hard to think of like, how do I really, I want to forgive somebody and move on. But I think so often it's used kind of colloquially, like you just need to forgive them and get over it. Yeah. And I was not okay with that and some of the stuff that had happened to me. And so I think um, I remember our therapist said that forgiveness wasn't letting somebody off the hook but forgiveness was letting somebody off your hook and trusting God to like take care of it. And that was such like a shift for me of like, okay, like I can still like see right and wrong and I don't have to like um, just get over somebody's bad behavior, but I can trust that that's God's to reconcile and take care of myself and move on in a healthier way. I learned a ton of stuff. Up to that point, would you have, like consider yourself someone who struggled with resentment? No, I think that there just was like a couple of like big things that I had a really hard time figuring out how to move past, you know? And it was, you know, it's just that it's not the small stuff. It's just the big deep seated stuff that Mm -hmm. I was like, I just don't, this still hurts, you know, Mm -hmm. like this person hurt me and I don't know how to move on past it. Um, And so it's more that, because yeah, I think I usually kind of brush things off pretty quickly. And I probably am somebody a shy away from like really dealing with the reconciliation sometimes and just like brushing it off and moving on versus like really trying to like figure out what needs to happen to reconcile it. I think that there's going to be a slew of people, you know, the millions of people that listen to this podcast. I'm just joking. Yeah. I'm just praying it forward. Um, but there are, I mean, lots of people with that resonate what you just said. And then you have that faith piece of being a Christ follower. It is, um, it, it just is such a lowly feeling like, man, if you can't figure this out or if you can't express it the way that we feel like we've been taught in the church, it's really hard to, to get past. And so in that awareness, how has it changed you as, as you, cause we wound each other still to this day, right? Like we're just broken, messy people. Um, have you seen that evidence of change of how you embrace it? Has the processing changed or has that remained the same? Um, I think it, it, it has shifted and I think it, you know, as my faith continues to grow and evolve, like 
I think that that is one of the things that I'm like, oh, so grateful for it is a tethering force in my life because it is, I think without it, I wouldn't know how to reconcile forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Like for me, when there is, you know, having done nonprofit work and traveled around the world and just seen great injustices, I think that like finding a way to like continue to be hopeful and have a lightness and a um, optimism in spite of just the injustices and the heaviness in the world is really important. And I think that like, when I think about God, I think he did that so well that it was like he held space mm-hmm. for the pain, yeah. but it didn't make him jaded or bitter, yeah. but it did make him resolute still about trying to combat some of it. So I think it just has been a good model for me of being a grounding force of like, how do I view the world and how do I view God and how do those things fit together? And that there's room for accountability and justice and taking care of our hearts and forgiving people and moving on without resentment. That is so good. So you go to onsite, but then how did you begin the transition onto the staff there and really feel like, okay, this is the season of life that God has called me to now? Yeah. So I remember the first day when I was at onsite attending the Living Centered program, I was sitting on one of the rocking chairs. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, I could work someplace like this. Because again, I was doing consulting kind of when I was in this in-between space and um, just as other jobs had sort of been um, as other opportunities had been presented to me, I felt really overwhelmed by them and couldn't imagine what I'd do next. But I remember when I was at onsite for the program, feeling whispers of like, Oh, maybe there's something here, but I assumed everybody felt that um, that was there. Cause it is like the most serene campus. It's like being at a camp, which was like my favorite thing to do growing up. I love church. camp. Um, Exactly. So um, I fast forward a few months and I was out with some friends and I was like, I think I'm finally ready to find my next thing. And they were like, we should talk to Miles. I think they've got some transition on the onsite team. And I just like totally perked up and was like, really, you think they might have something that would work? And so we started conversations and then I joined the team a few months later. That's awesome. So you you know, you have this um, job transition and, and when you're in ministry specifically, you know, there's different lanes, but when you're in ministry, you're tethered to a lot of relational parts of ministry as opposed to being like in a corporate, you know, position. So there's, there is that major transition of the um, circle of people that you are doing life with, um, moving and all of that. So you find yourself in this settled space, grateful for not only what Onsite has done for you personally, but now um, how you get to uh, pour back into the community in a way that you're passionate about. And again, still being strongly Lindsay and coming alongside an organization that helps others find hope, which is powerful. And then you find yourself personally kind of dreaming these new dreams about um, this next season of life and um, becoming, hopefully becoming a mom in this journey of 
what that means for you. Will you walk us through um, what that was like to begin dreaming for a new season, a completely new, new and different season? Yeah. Um, I think I always, um, I'm single and 44. Um, and I think I just always envisioned that somehow, some way I would be a mom. And, um, when I was at if I sort of was like mama bear with all of the girls that were on staff, it was so fun. We had tons of interns and, um, actually one of the old interns now is my director of marketing at onsite. And it's been so fun and full circle to get to work with her day in and day out. Um, but that season I was just so heavily investing relationally into girls that I think I hadn't really taken time to look up which I think it was part of the thing that led to burnout is like, what do I want for me and my dreams? I was so heavily invested in helping other people build up theirs that I hadn't really taken a good inventory of like, where do I want to end up? And am I on a road that's going to put me there? And are other people investing in what I want for myself? And so I think that as I transitioned to onsite and did some emotional health work and then just continue to have even different boundaries around work. I mean, I'm always somebody that my work is going to bleed into my life because <laughs> I'm, it's, I care about working for something that um, I'm really passionate about. And so I'm never going to have just like a normal nine to five job where I turn it off right at five, but I just started to really reconcile, like, what else do I want outside of this? Um, and so I realized I really wanted to be a mother and I've, I've always, again, kind of thought that that would happen and thought I could adopt or do fostering. Um, but I think as I was realized my age and that if I was going to do anything fertility related, that I needed to get after it. So I sort of started by pursuing that road. Um, and I got, it's, gosh, it's been a couple of years now and I've gone through a couple different processes. I started with IUI which is uh, utilizing a sperm donor and doing just sort of like a, uh, what is the right word? Um, and yeah, insemination, I guess is the right word. Um, so I did that and then I had some cysts. And so I'm, now I'm working with a donor embryo, which they'll do a donor embryo transfer hopefully next month. Okay. That's incredible. What do you feel like has been like as a single person going through this process as a follower of Christ, there's all kinds of different opinions about that type of journey. Have you found support? Have you found judgment? Like I know that you have been um, public about some of the things that you've, you know, the journey that you've been on. Have you, I mean, obviously uh, everyone loves you, but I I know that there also is probably a, a segment of, Christianity that would say, well, you should be married and you shouldn't do this. And that's, you know, what are are your thoughts on that? And what have you experienced in that, in that way? You know, I've only really experienced encouragement. Um, and I was surprised when I did post it on social media, um, how much encouragement, um, and how I, I know so many amazing single women that have a similar longing. So I think me voicing it gave them permission to acknowledge their own desire. Mm. Um, and so I, it's been overwhelming the response, but in a really positive way. Um, I, I still reconcile with that of like, I wouldn't, I don't think that this is something I can do alone. 
Um, and it actually is one of the things that I'm sort of terrified and excited about in this process is that it will force me into relying on my community in ways that I've never had to before. Um, and so leaning into my guy friends and my female friends and, you know, people of all generations just to help raise a child. It's not something I wanted to do by myself. Um, and so I think that I, those are things I probably feel harder on myself about than anyone publicly has questioned. Yeah. As you have processed and made these choices and then you've been vulnerable to share your journey with people, I think when you talk about infertility, um, it's such a tender topic that oftentimes people don't ask because they are either afraid to, um, they, they're nervous that they're going to say the wrong thing. Um, what would you encourage um, people who like are in that community? What's the best way that we can come alongside um, alongside you or someone who is in that similar position of you know, wanting this dream, how do you, how do we hold space for you that feels valuing and encouraging, um, but also ask the questions that you're hoping somebody asks you? Yeah, I think I only know my experience and I think doing it from, um, doing it as a single person, um, I think that it's given me like stepping into this process has felt really empowering. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm sort of risking pain and heartbreak and a potential um, negative outcome, I, it, a lot of this pursuit for me has a, been about acknowledging the desire and like doing what I can. And I actually take some solace in the fact that like, I can't control the outcome that I can just say, like lean into the process and be willing and uh, like lean into it, but I can't make it happen. And so I actually, there's, there's some comfort for me in that, that if this is supposed to happen, it will. And yes, I really want it or I wouldn't be trying it, but um. All that to say is that the process for me has felt really empowering. I think that knowing friends that are married that have gone through fertility struggles, that I think that their experience can be really different. For some of them, it might feel empowering too, but for some of them, it might feel more shameful or um, hurtful that they and their partner can't do that, you know, like that they, yeah. that this isn't happening naturally. And so all that to say is, I think I would just ask people what they're comfortable with, you know, and what the experience has been like for them and what they're comfortable with sharing and how, how can you best care for them in it um, individually versus me telling you, you know, like what, how it would be for other people. Yeah. So but for me, I, I love people asking and all along the way, and I'm going to keep sharing, even though it sort of, um, enlist, you know, both support and sympathy and all those things, because it's what's felt natural for me. We have a um, close friend of ours that has been pregnant twice now, and she just found out this week that she miscarried at seven weeks. And mm. she said some powerful words of just simply, I don't know, 
but keep asking and be patient. Yeah. And I just thought that's such a good word that, you know, she doesn't know how she's going to feel in the grief from day to day. Um, but she still wants us to ask, but then know if, you know, if it is, you know, she's not in a good place with it or feel sad or even angry that we can hold space for her in that. And, um, I thought that was such a, a great kind way for her to respond in her own grief that none of us really deserve to get from her, but it helped us like know that we can ask and come alongside and, and love well. What have you learned about God during this time? I mean, I think I always am sort of wrestling. I'm, I'm sort of in the camp that's constantly rec- wrestling and trying to understand God's goodness and how that shows up. And I would say this last year has been with the fertility stuff and then with COVID and it just kind of has felt like one thing after another. And so, um, I think I I'm constantly reminded of his goodness, but I find myself questioning it all the time too. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm I honest, I think that's completely natural, you know, and I think COVID has, you know, been one of those things where the, you use the analogy before we came on the, on the air of the light being turned on in a dark attic, you know, and, and I think, what COVID has done is it has illuminated some of the doubts or some of the questions or some of the things that we have in our faith. And we, we haven't had the comfort of our normal life to hide behind anymore. And so it hopefully on the other side of this, we'll all be a little bit more authentic and a little bit more real in our relationships and in our, in our faith than we were when we had the comfort and the ability to pretend because yeah, you know, um, we've grown from being sympathetic about struggles to now being empathetic because we've had this collective feel of grief. Um, gonna, as we close, we're going to do a little bit of a shift and something that you should know about Lindsay is that she's taught me many things. She has taught me about how to be a foodie. Um, she has taught me how to appreciate wine. I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? Um, We have been to Napa together to celebrate her birthday. Um, I have gotten to dine at some really fun restaurants where I don't even know how to say the menu sometimes. Uh, Lindsay, you do know how to say charcuterie now. I do. I had no idea what a charcuterie board was, and I still (laughs) can barely say the word, but I try so hard. Now I make make a a board with my um, daughter-in-laws because they they are bougie with me like that. It's been so fun. So I say all that to say, um, you live in Nashville, Tennessee, and you are in a destination place. So if people listening to the podcast find themselves in Nashville, where are some of your current fave places to, to go? You, you've got like these hidden gems that I don't think I would have ever gone to had you not told me about them. So what's, where like maybe your top three places to go. Is that too short of a number? I know it's so hard to choose. Um, (laughs) I, my old standby is City House. Yes. Y'all have been there with me. Yes. Um, there's a new restaurant that y'all need to come visit and go to called The Optimist. Um, there was a, it's Ford Fry, a chef out of Atlanta that has a restaurant there with a similar name, but it's seafood and it is fabulous. Um, my parents were in town last weekend and they 
were like, you did such a good job picking the restaurant and you did such a good job picking the food. They were so happy. The whole family was just raving. So I love it. that I is the it. big deal. Is that, where, where is family. it located? Is it in the Gulch or where's it at? It's in German down. Okay. I know. I, I Our relationship, I was starting to wear Lindsay out because she's like, I don't always want to pick, but I'm like, you know what? Okay, Linz, what are we going to pick if our family gets to pick to go out to eat together? Where, where's our family going? You're going to Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> Chewies. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so check those places out. She's She's got the best taste. But we just love you so much. We are so thankful for um, just your lasting friendship. And we love, absolutely love watching you um fight for the most healthiest life that you get to have no regrets. Even if it means uh, sharing in some heartache, you literally are choosing to live your best life, which we all know our best life is found in going to the hard places and cherishing, um, cherishing the good places. So thank you so much for being on the podcast and in being a part of our lives. We sure do miss you on our Sunday lunches. Um, but uh, again, we, we love you and we look forward to having you back on the podcast and hearing an update and all that's happening in the oh, life yeah. of Lindsay. So. Absolutely. Thanks. I love you guys. Thanks. Well, I have a lot of feels that I would love to share with all of you about that podcast. And I pray that it blesses you as it has blessed us. And in the beginning, we shared with you that this is part one of part two. And so I want to encourage you to look for part two. It will be our bonus episode this month. And it's just an incredible journey. And I am so thankful to Lindsay for allowing us to just come alongside her and for her to be willing to share with our community. Hey, heads up. Don't forget, we have our awesome free masterclass coming up where we're talking about, man, if you're feeling like roommates right now in your marriage relationship, do not miss this free masterclass. You can check it out. You can sign up for absolutely free. Just go to refinest.org slash masterclass.